Hello, welcome to the Multitask. This is John Moore. It's your boy Fadi. What's going on, guys? It's impeachment arama yeah. right now. Uh, so this weekend, the Democrats and Republicans held. Their, well, it started last week and yeah. went and ended this weekend. Held the impeachment trial, and we all know how it ended. It didn't end any different than what we expected, but it finally ended. Uh, what are your highlights? Honestly, day two when they showed the, the the footage of Romney being that close and he was running, you know, that that detail wasn't there before that we knew. We didn't know how close certain people were to the to the insurrection, but Romney was headed towards them. And if it wasn't for uh, Eugene Goodman, he would have probably been seriously injured, if not uh, worse. So he that was kind of chilling, and it was chilling to see Mike Pence get evacuated. So that security footage that we haven't seen before, I thought was the highlight because it really put things into perspective. There were 50, I think 50 feet away, they proved uh, at one point. So um, I think that was kind of the most drawing thing was that day two where they started showing uh, those, those clips. Yeah. Well, you know, I think my highlight was actually um, just throughout. I thought that the, the, the house managers, yeah. uh, nothing in particular, I thought they were just strong. I thought they presented a very good case um each one of them uh had a had a moment or a moment or two uh and i and i really just think you know you just you took and maybe it's because the republicans were just so idiotic yeah. but it was so easy as a democrat to take pride in the way that they that that the house managers conducted themselves every time they were up there uh literally prosecuting the case it i was just i was really just blown away and very impressed yeah, it's always nice when you know you have good people doing a good job. And we're so used to the last four or five years of just so much incompetence and people who are in roles that they're not supposed to be. And Raskin, if I'm not, if, correct me if I'm wrong, is like a constitutional prosecutor, lawyer, guy. And, and, and so it's like when you have those type of people who are now elected officials who might not be doing that stuff on a daily basis, for them to, to put on their bootstraps and get to work is, is always nice to see. Yeah, and you know, uh, we all know about uh, Jamie Raskin's you know personal tragedy tragedy that he had mm -hmm. been dealing with, you know, right up until uh, the day of the insurrection and the way he he put together. And I think that was the thing is I think they all had personal stories. They they yeah. were there. They were they they were impacted. Um, I think that there's you know so, some issues though that uh, it's 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 just fascinating the way that the Republicans or I should say uh, Trumps defense team they were pathetic and i think the what's so pathetic about them being pathetic is they knew that they could win even if they were pathetic and that's what that's so i know i'm overusing the word pathetic but it what's so offensive one was the case they put on but two was the fact that they could have literally set up there pulled down their pants and took a shit and they still would have uh, gotten Trump acquitted. And that speaks volumes about how horrible the Republican Party is today. Yeah, I think Trump's defense, was, Trump didn't have a defense. I think his goal was to get his lies on the record, if that makes sense. He wanted his lawyers to say this was stolen from him. And he wanted that in the congressional record. I, I don't think his lawyers said that. His lawyer the first day admitted that Biden won the election. And America chose a different administration. But um, you're right. Like, look, I saw a video of the, Trump's lawyer, the Van Deer guy, or whatever his name is. Um, he was high-fiving people and celebrating and stuff. I'm like, did you think you won this case? You were getting 44 
Republicans to acquit regardless of what you were doing. So it's I think that's the downside of this is he's going to get paychecks and he's going to go on to say uh, that he won Trump this case. But the fact is the Republicans were going to toe the line and we knew that coming in for sure. Well, and the thing is, is uh, and it speaks again to the poorness of Trump's legal defense team. You know, you start out with um, that, um, God, I forget, the, the guy that spoke to Caster, who was just, his first, his opening statement was, whoa, that guy, where are we going with this? He was a train wreck. And then you had Sean, um, who was probably, the, I thought, was probably the strongest attorney, but uh, for any number of reasons, uh, including his religious faith, he couldn't be there yeah. full time. Um, and then you got this Van, Van, whatever his name is, the personal injury, and he's literally a personal injury yeah. lawyer. He probably has jingles. The, the reality is, is that his work <laughs> in this impeachment trial will probably end up in his commercial for, sure. for like, were you in an accident? Yeah, <laughs> type for of sure. thing. But, um, and you know that Sean actually had, had tried to quit. Did you hear about that one? I yeah, I guess that, that was, um. Friday night, he tried to quit, and, and Trump convinced him, or Thursday night, Thursday night, and Trump convinced them to stay on. That's how you know things are bad, right? Because you know and anything that Trump touches is the opposite of the Midas touch, right? So it always goes bad. And here's he, his previous lawyer team quit the week before, and now he has this kind of makeshift lawyer team. They're trying to quit in between. Caster set Caster and shown are, are arguing oh who's going to talk first and they have no game plan and it, it look they i know why they took the case because they're going to bank off this for the rest of their careers probably so i get it but but they didn't put on they didn't put on the show and they didn't they at minimum they were just trying to please trump and, and we've seen the people around trump they have an audience of one and, and that was pretty clear this weekend yeah and you know it, it was it was one of the things that it was just infuriating. I was listening in the car when they basically put up their defense. Yeah. And so I didn't even really see the videos. I just was hearing the videos and they just kept playing just like this, uh, reel of Democrats, uh, using passionate speech. And I think the thing that is really offensive about whether it's the Republicans in the house and Senate who are team Trump, or as defense teams, is their fake or false equivalency. Yeah, it's just it's offensive. They're saying, well, you know, if you do this, uh, we're going to do it to the next Democratic president, uh, or, or the next time we're in charge, we're in the majority. That's bullshit. Because the reality is, is that what they're doing is they're diminishing the offense. They're diminishing the crime. And you heard what Jamie Raskin said when they said, you know, this is the Raskin principle or the Raskin standard is um, the next time that you have a president that incites a riot and, and, and sends people to Congress to kill people, I'd be very flattered if you called that the Raskin principle. Um, they're, they're, what they're trying to do is just say it's a tit for tat. And yeah. I think when they, when and, and I hope that people, not all, because there's a lot of dumb people in this country, but I hope that people realize that's how unserious they are because it's a tit for tat. It's no, when someone does something that rises to a certain level, action is necessary regardless of the party that they belong to. I totally agree. But something that I will piggyback off you is they're not doing it for us. They're doing it for their base and it's working. And if you just go on Facebook for an hour or two or, or search these Reddit boards or search Twitter for a little bit, 
you'll see that it works. And look, Trump failed for five years and he still got 75 million people to vote for him. You know what I mean? So they're doing that to rile their base. Republicans don't believe in trying to con- convince Democratic voters. They don't believe in trying to um, do the right thing. They're just trying to rile up their base and, and, and convert new people to that base. I saw a Facebook comment today. I don't even want to get into it, but um, I saw that they believe that Democrats were manufacturing evidence, as in Photoshop and video editing, to appear if Trump said things that he didn't say. Like, that's how far gone this base is. And they're just, instead of trying to fix that, they're just digging a deeper hole. So um, that's where Biden's going to have to fight the next four years. And that's what we're up against. Right now, obviously, one of the things that happened on the last day of the trial was the whole issue of whether or not to call witnesses. Yeah. And I think you and I have two different takes on this. But uh, the, the biggest thing that I, I think is important to understand is we woke up Saturday morning with the expectation that there would be no witnesses. Right. There was a brief glimmer of hope that there could be witnesses because of the vote that was taken. And then ultimately they allowed uh, the... Uh, testimony or a written testimony or even just a statement of a member of congress into the record and a lot of people took that as a loss and they were almost kind of defeated but realistically that was that was not expected so we got everyone got their hopes up for something and now they're angry at the democrats yeah but realistically they got their hopes up for something that was never really going to happen to begin with but democrats got their hopes up i think that's what people are upset about was we, we knew coming in, we weren't going to uh, find him guilty, the majority, the two-thirds majority. We knew that coming in, so our expectations are, are limited at that point. And then we kind of felt there was going to be no witnesses. Everybody was saying this was going to end Saturday or Sunday at some point, right? Then when you say that you're going to bring in witnesses, and then you get a vote, and then you get 56 people to vote for that, you in turn get my hopes up. So that's, I think, what people are upset about, including myself, was um you said you were gonna drag this out and then you decided to back down now i could say that that's the public image of what it is now democrats could have went in knowing hey look we want this statement on the record i don't think the republicans are going to go for it so let's threaten witnesses and then let's compromise and get the statement in. that could have been their game plan the whole way and we might learn about that in the next few days but right now the image is that democrats try to get witnesses and the republicans fought against it in the democrats cave that's what the what the optics are that might not be the truth but right now the optics are that and the republicans are better at optics than we are right well but but i i do i get your point and but it was strategic i'm sure yeah. they went to i mean they knew they probably knew last night that they had an opening but once the story started to break or they knew the night before that yeah. that, that, they, that they that they might have an opportunity there but don't forget those closing arguments and everything else are well constructed. Yeah. And so I'm sure that the opportunity itself was kind of good, but then it might have also really changed their approach, their tact, and how they were gonna go through with it. And you know, I I really wish that you and I were lawyers and you you the reality is is I think that what was interesting was they had to the compromise was essentially they had to stipulate or they wanted to get the um, congresswoman's statement into the record. And essentially, the uh, Trump's people acting on behalf of the president or the right. former president, I should say, stipulated that that was what she would testify. They had no reason to believe she would testify otherwise. 
I wonder when this thing goes to, if it goes to a grand jury, did they not just potentially even screw Trump because um, they didn't contest it? So if someone goes ahead and enters this particular statement into the record uh, in a grand jury or federal trial, does that now have a lot of weight to it? Weight that if they had cross-examined her or done some other things, uh, it might not have. I just wonder, I, I, I do wonder if there was some crafty 3D less 3D chess lawyering going on and um, legislative maneuvers that the general public doesn't understand, but will sort of see over time that uh, that final day had more strategy than we than we realized. After being initially upset, and we talked about it when it happened, but after being initially upset, the thing I think they were trying to do was what I kind of just said was they woke up thinking, all right, this McCarthy thing with this congresswoman, we want that in the record. Republicans are going to fight it because McCarthy kind of denies this on some level, right? Even though we all know he admitted to it on the actual insurrection day, right? So Democrats woke up thinking, we want this on the record. We really don't want to do witnesses because we kind of know how this is going to land anyways. Let's threaten it and then let's close the door. And then we'll, we'll, we'll Republicans will freak out, which they, they did. And then maybe we'll get them to trade the witnesses for this statement. And that's what kind of happened. And maybe someone like Manchin or maybe somebody like um, a more moderate Democrat was saying, I don't really want witnesses. I'm going to vote yes for witnesses to save Raskin and save the House managers. And then when we go behind closed doors, we'll say we shouldn't do witnesses. So I think that was kind of the move. There was also rumors, again, just rumors and innuendo that McConnell threatened to slow down uh, Merrick Garland nomination, to slow down COVID relief in exchange for no witnesses. From what I understand, the White House had nothing to do with that. Maybe maybe Schumer and, and those people got involved. But look, Democrats knew they were going to get a, a guilty verdict. And maybe they were just trying to uh, get what they could out of Republicans. And maybe the statement was that. And, and, and then and then we'll go from there. But as of right now, you're losing the optics battle. So if it wasn't that, I think you should come out and say that is my thing. But my question is, are you really losing an optics battle? Uh, and I'll Maybe, tell you yeah. why, because, because the reality is, and this is something that I've learned working in politics, and it's something I've learned not only working in politics, but working in politics in a space in which I spend a lot of time on social media. Um, Twitter's not real life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not only that, though, don't forget, and you and I have a lot of friends who we have to pull it, you know, to, to, to really drag them to vote, get them to care and get them to vote regularly. Um, they're not watching like you and I are watching. Right. They're going to, they're going to, they're, they're going to see a 30 minute segment on the news if they see that. Right. right? Um, uh, it, you know, I think too often, and this is, you know, optics is a phrase that came up during the Obama administration. Yeah. I think that the problem is, is that too much of cable news, too much of social media is insider stuff that's not necessarily even consumed by a majority of insiders, right? Um, you know, you know, you and I have had this times, you know, where you'll see something and you'll react to it and my reaction is completely different. Yeah. And, it, and it's almost cynical, but it's it's cynical because I realize that, you know, given my perspective, that not everything you see meets the eye, right? Uh, and so I think the reality is, is that um, there's been times I've been, 
uh, I walked that, you know, I'm on, I'm on one side, I'm on the political side, there's people on the official side, and I'll have communications with them. And I'll be very hot and livid about something. And I'll talk to someone on the unofficial side. And they talk me down because they are seeing things that I don't see. Likewise, there's things that are happening in the political space that people on the official side are like, what's going on? But they don't understand some of the realities there. I say that all to say is that I think part of being an informed consumer and especially in the social media space where you are going to have access to insiders and experts is kind of understanding it's it's kind of like an even keel right um because then i also you know i i also don't think that people should ignore the masses i don't think people should ignore social media uh because i do think people have a right to be upset to a certain extent but you know there was a, a very popular social media person who saw it and went ahead and said, that's it, I'm sitting on the couch in 22. (laughs) Come on, come on. The the reality is, is I think it's fine to be angry and offended. I wanted it. And and think about it. What's the real anger? Was he, because we knew we weren't going to get eviction. Yeah. We wanted wanted good TV. I mean, that's the, the reality. We were robbed of good TV. Essentially, that's all that happened is we were robbed of good TV. There's not one person who voted for acquittal who would have changed their vote had those witnesses been there. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I learned that lesson today. And I think you were involved. Me, I was involved with the back and forth with somebody, a peaceful one that kind of explained it to me. And I, I, I took it upon myself to text somebody who isn't in this political world, who doesn't pay attention, who votes, cares, but doesn't really care on the day to day. And I texted her and I said, do you know what happened today? And she said, Trump wasn't, they didn't convict him. I said, do you, do you hear anything about witnesses? She's like, no. So Twitter isn't real life. There's, there's just the draw there. And I'm starting to kind of separate the two. But also what, what I mean by Republicans are better at it then is there will be more Republicans who believe that more Republican voters, not uh, officials, but there will be more Republican voters who believe the Democrats caved than there might be on the other side. And even though it's not true, and even though it's not what happened, there's going to be Facebook blitz ads with the headline that says Democrats caved. And so it's just, that's going to drive their base. So what I need is something to drive our base. And if, witnesses weren't going to be called and we didn't get a conviction something like pelosi coming out and saying no censure republicans are cowards blah 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 that stuff is going to help our base so if if you don't care about the optics of this specifically you're going to have to feed your base something and and we wanted impeachment you gave it to us we wanted a trial you gave it to us and i I get what you're saying i guess what i'm saying is they're using it for ammo and then we got to fight back on some level right the question I have for you, and I want you to think about this, marinate, marinate on this for a minute, uh-huh. is would the Democratic base ever fall for QAnon? Would the Democratic base ever fall for Pizzagate? Um, no. What, what you have to understand, what I've always said, one of the biggest challenges that I, I've always said is that too often we see what Republicans do and we say, why can't we do that? And the reason why we can't do that is Democratic voters, the ones that care, are cut different. Yeah. If QAnon was thrown at Democrats, it would not get, it would not last because you know there's a good segment of Democrats that would jump on it, and then there would be a good section of Democrats that whoa, 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 whoa. 
Right. Right. And, 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 and so the thing is, is that, yeah, Republicans are better at messaging because they're dealing with a bunch of dipshits. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's literally think about how simple the Republican oh, messaging fair, is. Yeah. Think about the Republican messaging. It would never, ever work with Democrats. It would not work. You cannot use stupid stuff. You know, it does not work. I mean, we you, one of the things that we know was 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 really emotional and and heated in the in democratic circles was to hold the fun police situation. Yeah. You can't just throw a slogan at Democrats and they take it. We're gonna fight it. We're gonna argue it. We're not gonna fall fall for just anything. The Republicans, you can throw a slogan at them. And they're licking it up. So I think, you know, that's that's the one thing. Where it's it's easy to be good at messaging when you are dealing with a significant portion of your base that is gullible and will fall for anything. You make a valid, valid point. What I would say to that is this. Don't give us QAnon. Don't give us easy slogan, uh, catchy messaging. Give us what you are planning to do. So if Schumer was coming in saying, we're going to vote for witnesses, but we're going to compromise the deal, tell me, hey, guys, look, uh, this is not going to go the way we want. We presented what we wanted in Congress, and we're going to have that on the record. Trump's still liable criminally as a citizen. We're going to go get you COVID relief. We're going to pass $15 minimum wage. We're going to get Merrick Garland as our AG. And we're going to just focus on that. We did what we could here. We, we, we feel like we're proud of that. Give us, we're going to go on and continue to fight. Right now, it just looks like Republicans are bad. We hate them. They're fighting us. And it's like, we want to fight back too. So I understand that the, 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 our left is, is a big tent. And there's a lot of different people who need a lot of different things. And I totally get it. I want to see the heart. And when I, I, we talk, we could get into it now if you want Pelosi speaking after. And I know people love Pelosi and sometimes people hate Pelosi. But when she was speaking in her anger and her passion, I want to see more of it. Right. Well, let me give you one other analogy. And I think you'll love this as a sports fan. Um, Democrats are the people who will call in a sports talk radio on a Monday morning after a football game where you won, the team won, yeah, yeah. but they're going to be mad that X amount of passes, what are they doing starting here? What you know, yeah, yeah. Think about it. The, the, the Dem- you know those Monday morning quarterbacks that mm-hmm. call into sports talk radio even after a great victory and complain about everything even though the team won and is going to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Um, and Republicans are the ones who just take that L, I mean, take that win. And, and and they show sure. up, you know, so, so, so it, it's good. But, but going to Pelosi, um, I will tell you, um, in my opinion, she's ever, she's always been a badass. Yeah. Um, you met her, right? I there's Yeah. I've met her a few times. And, um, but the, the thing is, is that what people don't understand about when people want new leaders and new leadership they don't understand how much leadership uh, in a legislative body, whether it's Springfield with us in Illinois or DC requires wisdom, right? Um, I know we hear all this talk about who should, and, and I, 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 I have every reason to believe that this is her last term. And I, and I think that the people in line to replace her are, are, are really strong, but I'll extend it to Stinney Hoyer. I'll extend it to Hakeem Jeffries. I mean, I, I mean, um, uh, James Clyburn, right? 
there's something about that older wisdom. I mean, think about it. Um, everyone talks about Pelosi being out of touch. You know the top three members of the, of the Democratic House are Pelosi, Hoyer, and Clyburn. All over 70, all yeah. of them approaching 80, right? <clears throat> you saw what Steny Hoyer did the other week. He had this old white guy from Maryland basically being ride or die with the squad. Yeah. Right? Um, I think that what people do not understand is just that wisdom, that sharpness. And you'll you'll have young people who can do it. But there's something there's something about the wisdom. Because we know who the young firebrands are. Yeah. But those young firebrands may have had that anger to same anger today, but I don't know if they would have been as effective. Because what would have potentially been there would have just been a lot of rhetoric. And but when Pelosi speaks, there's a command like, "Damn, yeah. you you done mess with the speaker, right?" It, yeah. it, it's you know, do, what do you think? So I, I agree. Let me take your football analogy and run with it with what you just said. When Pelosi is the quarterback, when my receiver goes across the middle of the field, gets popped by the other team. I don't expect Pelosi to go and return that shot, but there better be that 15th guy on the bench who doesn't play a lot, <laughs> who you put in the game for three plays, who's going to get a penalty for sure. Maybe with an ejection. Maybe with right. an ejection. But you sacrifice yourself so Pelosi doesn't have to. I don't expect Tom Brady and Peyton Manning to take that <laughs> shot, right? So that's what, as a as someone from the left, as someone who's been critical but who's a huge fan of somebody like Pelosi, send somebody else to do it. Then if you're not going to be, if you're not going to, if you let focus on winning the game, which they are, and they are send somebody, I don't want to say names. Cause I know we know who we're thinking about. Send that person across the middle of the field to knock some heads and you get the best of both worlds. You win the game, but you still get the, the messaging across. If that makes you know, sense. Well, don't forget. I think we got a rookie from St. Louis who, 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 who could definitely play that role too. I mean, and there's a, there's I, a, there's a, there's there's a there's strong there's, person out of New York that will help too. Right, right. No, but, but, but that strong person from New York is that person might, their, their, their values increasing. So, you know, I yeah, think, all right. I think if, I, if they're I too think valuable for the game, then right. we got a rookie in St. Louis. I, 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 I think you goons got with the rookie. You know, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you because that's my that's my favorite. Is my my favorite was back, and now we've gone into sports. But I used to love it when someone when someone would would, would actually take it to Michael Jordan, and yeah. they look at the end of the bench. They're like, "All right, <laughs> you know what to do." You're gonna get ejected, <laughs> but you gotta we'll like you in the locker room, you know. <laughs> But, but you know what? What's and, and you know I will tell you though I wish, I do wish that and there are some people, but I do wish more uh, people in the politics thought like sports, yeah. right? Um, down to you know because you and I both understand the importance of the locker room, and yeah. I don't think I don't think a lot of people. And one of the things that I've been talking about with some of those dynamics is you got to think of whether you're Republican or Democrat, and quite frankly. I'd much rather be in a Democratic locker room right now than a Republican locker room. Because, sure. you know, we always hear these dims and disarray story. Yeah. And quite frankly, it's Republicans in disarray. For sure. But, but there's so many parallels between the sports world and politics that I, and, and, and down to, you know, the reality is, is we may fight in the locker room. We may fight at practice, but that stuff stays in the locker room. That stuff stays in practice. But when you're on the field, you're all wearing the same jersey. And I think, and, and don't you think that 
especially now that the squad has gone into their sophomore year, so to speak, I, I, I'm thinking that we're going to maybe see a little bit more cohesiveness. What, what, what do you think? I, I'm feeling honestly, that. I mean, at least on some of the early stages, I'm seeing that. Honestly, ever since 2018, I feel like we've been all on the same page. We, we've talked about it privately, right, where you keep, you keep reminding me, like, the, the left is a big tent, right? Democrats in West Virginia don't necessarily agree with the Democrats in, in California. On the right is a little different because they all kind of have three hot button topics, right? Abortion, um, Supreme Court, whatever, what have you, right? The Democrats on the left, the far left, the, the center, all kind of want different things. Um, so I guess since Trump won and there was a lot of Monday morning quarterback of Hillary didn't go to Michigan, Hillary wasn't in Florida, Hillary, blah, 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 right? And then we, we kind of got over it and then we started just organizing for 2018. We had a historic blue wave in 2018 and we just kept the pushing, right? And 2020, look, in, in the moment, the day of, it seemed bad, but in hindsight, we flipped Georgia blue, not only for the presidency, but we got two senators. Look, Georgia has two Democratic senators and Arizona has two Democratic senators. Arizona was blue, Georgia was blue. We got back to house, we kept the house, even though we lost a few seats, we kept, we got the Senate, we got the White House. It's been success for about three and a half years now. So I do see cohesiveness and I do see the big energy pushing towards the right way. Now it's interesting, right? Trump's gone, the impeachment's over. Now it's just time, right? Now you have two years to prove that you're going to keep the House and the Senate, and then we'll see what happens in four years with the White House. But now it's just time, right? The, the game's over. It's a new game, and, and, and you're in charge now. So you gotta you got to lead the country. Right, and I think there's two things. I think the one thing about uh, the insurrection and how literally horrifying it was, right. and they're shook. You know, they're, they're, there's – I don't think people who do not – no members of Congress understand how affected they were, yeah. right? Um, that being said, that gives the, the Democratic caucus, and then if the Republicans are smarter, be the Republican caucus too, but that gives the Democratic caucus reason to mend some fences, yeah. uh, recognize their differences, because, you know, one of the things that's good about being a Democrat is the fact that we won't fall for QAnon. Yeah. And that we won't, we, that, that, yeah, whether or not we go with, um, you know, defund the police or not, the good news is whatever the ultimate direction we go in, it's going to be interrogated. It's going to be analyzed. We're going to fight over that type of stuff, right? Yeah. And so what they need to figure out is how to never, ever give in to one another in the Democratic Party, but land in a spot, land in a place that when it comes to advancing the larger agenda, the greater agenda, they can move forward as a team. Right. Yeah. Um, and I also think that, you know, going back to sports, you know, one of the things, especially in football and basketball, you always expose, uh, exploit your opponent's mistakes. I really think that we need to the, to the extent that we can. Um, hey, I don't want to necessarily embrace Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney and and some of these other folks. But if we could, to the extent that it creates a little dissension on on the right and and you know buys us another cycle or two um i am you know we said i said this the previous in, in previous shows i'm optimistic about 22. i think that this is i think given the idiocy of trump given the insurrection given COVID, given so many and, and how far extreme the republicans have moved 
I honestly think that 22 could be one of those years where the um, the tradition of losing seats in the midterm um, might not might not come to fruition. And I think that the Democrats, if they have the right attitude, can really reverse that 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 trend. Yeah, fair enough. I I, I don't think about it often only because um, I think the landscape is going to be so much different that it's going to be so unpredictable. It's the first time in a while that Trump's not on the ballot. Um, Trump's going after people on his side. I don't think he's going to spend time going after AOC, Pelosi, those guys. I think he's going after the Republicans who did it. He's definitely going after Liz Cheney, definitely going after the people who voted against him. Um, so that's going to be interesting. And we might see Republicans fighting each other a little bit more, which gives Democrats an opportunity to govern, pass the COVID relief bill, which is massively popular amongst both Republican and Democratic voters. And then I think you have good chances in 2022. I don't see, um, here's something that I will say though, is a good team. This is, I don't know if we're ending, but we're close, but let's end with a sports analogy that I'll give you. Good franchises, good teams, as they get older, what they focus on is getting better on the back end. So when their older players tend to retire, leave, the, the young crowd is stronger. And what I mean by that, and the analogy I'm trying to make is you need to pass some voter rights laws now, before 2022, before 2024. Bring in Abrams, bring in um, 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 Jamie Harrison from South Carolina, bring in all well, the bring diverse... them in. Jamie's the chairman of the party. That's now, what I mean. So... That's, that's what I mean. Bring them all in, bring the diversity that you have from Mansion to AOC to all of them. Talk about how we're going to pass voter ID laws or voter rights laws so that you can protect the, the in crowd that's coming because Arizona is fighting this. It was, I don't know if you saw Arizona's trying to pass a law that says the govern the, the GOP or the legislative body can just decide who to give their electoral votes, bypassing the voters. Georgia is trying to pass strict, strict, strict mail-in voting laws. I don't worry about Georgia because I think Abrams is a superhero. I'm worried about uh, Arizona. I'm worried about those other kind of purple states that we kind of created in 2020. So look, pass COVID relief, pass some voter rights laws, and, and you're in good shape. I'm not worried about 2022 yet. Yeah, but the other piece, though, too, though, that's that's crucial there is because we're so close, and I think we can be as liberal as we want, one of the things that we have to do without compromising uh, our progressives, without compromising the liberals, is we have to allow people in states and or districts that are swing or, or or formerly red districts, we have to give them space to be moderate, maybe yeah. even conservative. Um, you know, don't forget, um, both Ossoff and Warnock were elected and Warnock has to turn right around because yeah. he's finishing out a term. Um, black man in Georgia, they're coming at him. Yeah. Um, you know, do we need him to be hardcore progressive or do we need and, and not be there in 23? Or do we need him to do what he needs to do to keep Chuck Schumer in the majority? And when we need his vote to, to vote the party line, yeah. But when we but when he needs to do what he needs to do to to protect and shore up um Georgia, and isn't one of the um is Kelly up again too? I think Kelly's just finishing out a term too. So I think Kelly's up for re-election in, in Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So 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 let let those two pickups um don't be upset if they're not as hardcore progressive as we need them to be. 
Yeah. Right. Um, give them their space. I mean, you and I both know how we feel about Mansion. Um, I I think it's weird. I think that people like me may excuse Mansion too much, but I also think people on the left don't really truly appreciate. Uh, you're not gonna get someone more more to the left of Joe Manchin in West Virginia. I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Chuck Schumer is majority leader. If if Joe Manchin does nothing else, it's to give us majority leader Chuck Schumer. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I I said this before the election, and I've changed my mind a lot. And you could you could you could be the judge of that. I said if the Democrats ever get all three again, they have to first and foremost pass voter rights laws. They have to second make D.C. Puerto Rico states. They have to third make election day a national holiday. Like I wanted to be so 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 aggressive. I've changed my mind in that only because. Um, it's unrealistic. Realistically, they're going to spend about a year or half a year working on COVID relief. And then you're still in the, in the mess that you have to fix from the previous administration. What I do think is most important is voter rights laws because you have elections every two years. You could pass DC statehood. We saw, I, I think logistically, DC statehood needs to happen. I used to be selfishly wanting two extra senators and, and a government, like but we saw how a governor could have easily sent them the National Guard in January 6th. So I think logistically, D.C. statehood should be a priority. But what I mean is, if you just pass voter rights laws, you continue to allow young people to vote. And then Manchin believes in the same thing that AOC believes. Like, people should have the right to vote and should vote securely. That's not defund the police. That's not D.C. statehood. That's not um, monthly checks for stimulus. Like, those are, I think, our more polarizing issues. People have the right to vote, and I think that's not a polarizing issue. So uh, I'm fine with Manchin. He wants $1,400 checks, so that's a right out. Cool with them. Right. And, you know, it, it, it's – I think what happens is if you can have a sustained majority yeah. for two or three cycles, then can you you might be getting be able to get some of those progressive victories. Exactly. Um, you know, before we – because we do need to wrap up, but I just imagine – and it, it's kind of unrealistic because things change – but where would the Democrats have been in, say, 2015, 2016, if they never lost a majority? If, you know, um, I bet you health care would look a lot more like uh, even the far left wants it to look. Yeah. You know, is there's, there's you know, a lot of incremental change. And one of the things I just get so frustrated with is, um, and I'm still a huge Bill Clinton fan. Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, to people on the far left, are, are, are corporatist Democrats who sold out. But what they don't get credit for is what they got to get done. And I've always said that when you have a larger constituency, and in this case, the president of the United States is the entire country, um, no matter how progressive you are in your beliefs and ideology, uh, it doesn't matter if you can't win the offices and hold on to power. Right. And, and, and I think that's the, you know, that's, that's the thing. I mean, that's, that's, that is going to be, you know, what I think is is, is, is the case. And, you know, quite frankly, um, people don't realize the Democrats maybe have another six to eight months to where they can be effective. But by the time petitions go on the streets, we're getting ready for the midterms. Yeah. This time, yeah. this time next year in 23, um, no, it'll be 22, right? Yeah. Well, this time next year, we will be hard. 
in, in any state where there's, you know, some seats that are up, there's we're going to be in Democratic primaries. Yeah, the Democrat, in, in, in Illinois, the Democratic primary is in March. Yeah. So, so, you know, if you're trying to move someone left or right and what have you. So people don't understand how it's, you only have a very small window in which you can really, really be effective. Yeah, something you said interesting that I want to touch on is um, where we would have been in 2015 and 16, depending on what happened in the elections. But you know what starts me is it, listen to Obama talk about his legacy if Hillary would have won. He knew the most important thing that he could have done was try to get Hillary elected to keep what he had done going. And basically what happened was is Hillary lost Trump spent four years undoing a lot of what Obama did. And now Biden has to spend two years doing exactly what they did in 2008. So I understand how it works. And, and it, it, there's, I don't, I have to go back and look. We, I don't think we've had two of the same party presidents for 16 years, maybe ever. I get it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, um, the first Bush replacing Reagan, but since then there's not been right. a, a party replaces, you know. So I get how hard it is to do, but if we could swing another victory in 2024, and then, you know, it's interesting if Kamala's, if Biden's not running and Kamala wins in 24 and she wins in 2028, it's kind of like three in a row, you know what I mean? Because she has the right to two of them. So I think that's what we need to be focused on right now. And, and what's going to help is, I don't want to harp on it, but voter voter laws to help, like instead of trying to get people, instead of trying to get people to convince the Republicans are bad, start trying to just make sure that your people can vote because we that's what we need to do to win these races. Yes, um, things are we got to wind down, but before we go, I just need to know: Have you seen Drunk Tom Brady? <laughs> I don't even want to talk about Tom Brady right now. <laughs> Look, that was no, clearly no, the, he, was, he was doing that because Bill Belichick never let him have fun, so he was just trying to show people that he was having fun. Well, you know what's what I thought was really funny about it. He's known for his clean living. Yeah, I bet you he didn't drink a lot. I bet you he had a wine cooler. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, he, he, he said he was drinking he, avocado he, tequila. <laughs> so it was and like he healthy. He, it was like healthy green natural tequila, I guess. <laughs> Right, but still, tequila. He he probably he probably didn't need more than a, a, two shots, and, and he was done. Fair enough. Right? He was you hanging know, so. with Gronk, so it's not going to take long. <laughs> so on that note, this is John signing off. This is Fadi signing off. Thanks for joining us, guys. See you next week.